I'm Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Brown Belt and former pro MMA fighter. Now, I will assume that if you are listening to this, you are not a pro Jiu-Jitsu competitor. No offense, it's really just a numbers game. The amount of people who can make their living solely from competing in Jiu-Jitsu is just incredibly small compared to the number of people who train as a hobby or who do compete, but it's just not their livelihood. And if you are one of those people lucky enough to make your living via just jujitsu, send me a message because you should probably come on the show. But to the rest of you, there are some things that pro competitors do that you just shouldn't. Things that don't make sense unless jujitsu is your full-time job. There are also a few things that you should do just like the pros, and we're going to look at those too. And whether you're a pro or not, you can look like a pro by rocking some new gear from Epic Roll. Epic Roll has everything you need for on the mat, like rash guards, geese, and fight shorts, plus stuff for off the mat too, like t-shirts, hoodies, and joggers. And you can get 15% off everything at epicrollbjj.com when you use the code PODCAST15 at at checkout. Stuff from Epic Roll is super high quality, it looks great, and it won't break the bank. Make sure you follow them and tag them on the gram at Epic Roll BJJ, and they might just give you a shout out when you post in your new gear. Tag the show too at that underscore jujitsu underscore podcast, and I'll for sure give you a repost. EpicRollBJJ.com, coupon code podcast15. Now that we've got the gear sorted, let's look at six things pros do that you shouldn't. Welcome to That Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I ran a very scientific poll over on YouTube and asked how often people compete in tournaments and the majority of people who train jiu-jitsu never compete. And by the way, this is another reason why you should subscribe to the YouTube page so you can participate in fun polls like this and see things that don't really work audio only like technique breakdowns and match highlights. The link is in the description, so check out YouTube, more specifically my YouTube. But anyway. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do everything you can to win when you do compete, but when you do compete, if you're caught in a super deep submission, don't hold out as long as you can and end up hurting yourself just so you can hopefully survive long enough to win a cheap medal at a weekend tournament. Unless you're getting a win bonus and there's big money on the line, don't end up in surgery because you held on just a little too long. It's better to lose and be able to train again in a day than it is to lay your arm break and then to hold on and somehow escape and then try to win with one broken arm and then spend three months recovering from an injury. Just not worth it. And whether you're a person who competes or not, Sometimes in training, it's okay to have a round that isn't an all-out war and a dogfight in the most intense training rounds of your life. Sometimes, it's okay to have fun, laid-back training. Sometimes you just go easy for a round or for a night and you just roll light and flowy. Personally, I prefer hard training. That's more fun to me, but I'd be lying if I said every single second of every single round is like a comp team training round. If you do go to comp class, then yeah, the intensity needs to be high because you're all there preparing to compete and you owe it to your partners to train as hard as you can. But if you're just in a regular class and you want to take it easy for a bit, that is fine. If no one is paying for you to compete, then you can afford that. A pro competitor needs to make the most out of every second on the mat. You do not. 
a lot of pro competitors also only ever compete in one discipline. They go no gi or they go gi. They don't compete in both, so they don't train in both. I get the approach. If your livelihood is based on winning and you're better at no gi than gi, why not go all in and only focus on one thing? If your livelihood is not based on winning, then I personally think you're missing out if you don't train both. I often go back and forth for a little bit. I really love the gi and that gets a lot of my focus and then I switch and I find no gi to be more fun and I'm really all about no gi. But even when I'm enjoying one more than the other, I, I still train both. I think that training both makes you a better grappler and training no gi improves your gi game and vice versa. Don't limit yourself if you don't have to. Be as well-rounded as possible. There is a bit of a mentality when you are a pro that you need to train as much as you can and that includes when you're injured or sick. No one, pro or not, should train if they're sick. It's just a dick move. You're gonna get your training partner sick and you know that, so don't be a jerk and get on the mat if you're sick. But if you're injured, it's okay to take some time. I'm not saying that if you stub your toe or if you have some soreness, take a month off, but if you're really hurting, don't make it worse. I'm in the process of coming back from a major knee surgery and it's tough going so slow and basically flow rolling at the most, but there's zero chance I'm going to rush it the same way I would if I was getting paid to compete sometime soon. This next one might be the most important one on the entire list. If you are a person who competes, and I think you should be, do not cut a ton of weight for a tournament that is not going to pay you a ton of money if you win. Again, I think you should do everything in your power to win and you should do everything you can to compete at your best, train hard and fight the best possible match you can. But if you're cutting a huge amount of weight beforehand, you are doing yourself a huge disservice, not only in the match, but in your overall life as well. When you cut a bunch of weight, you get to a point of diminishing returns. Sure, you might end up 20 pounds heavier than the guy you're competing against once you rehydrate, but that 20 pound cut before you weigh in is going to have an impact on your performance. If I compete now, I'll cut at the most 10 pounds, and most of that will be a gradual reduction via diet over a month or two. I'm not sweating out 10 pounds in the sauna. In a big cut, you're going to be compromised. Even if it's day before weigh-ins, you still will not be fully rehydrated and the cut is very taxing. You do not immediately recover. Plus, it's just not healthy. Don't do it. Unless they're paying you to, don't do it. Here comes the most controversial one of them all, steroids. Listen, if you want to take steroids, I, I guess go for it. Who am I to say? It's up to you. But taking steroids just so you can win a local tournament that you're not getting paid for, it seems to me a bit excessive. Is it really worth it? I'm not going to get into long-term effects and why it's unhealthy because I'm not an expert in this area and I'm probably going to say wrong information if I do, so I'm just going to not go down that road. But just from a practicality standpoint, it, it doesn't seem worth it. Just from a why would you spend money on that standpoint, it also doesn't seem worth it. Just live a better lifestyle and do what you can to win. Don't start injecting stuff and paying for stuff to inject. It's just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem worth it. And that's not to say pros should do steroids. I'd prefer if they didn't too, but a hobbyist or a person who competes locally and isn't getting paid to win definitely does not need that advantage. Now, I mentioned there are some things pros do that you definitely should do. 
I know I said don't cut a ton of weight, but you should maintain your weight and your diet and be overall as healthy as possible. Selfishly, if you all start dying of heart attacks, there's no one to listen to me talk. But having a good diet is only going to help your jujitsu. Understanding what you're putting in your body will help you get the most out of your training, whether or not you are a pro competitor or even a competitor at all. I like to think of the 80-20 rule when I'm deciding what to eat. If 80% of what you eat is clean, healthy foods, then you shouldn't feel guilty about that other 20%. If you want to have some dessert, then have it. Live your best life. If you eat 100% clean all the time with no things you like mixed in, you're still going to die one day. I hate to break it to you. You're not going to live to be 200 years old. You might as well enjoy a little bit along the way. Take a cue from the pros here and dial in your nutrition. Just don't go as crazy as they have to. Another cue to take from the pros is incorporating some active recovery. Don't just walk off the mat and do nothing to help your body heal, then show up for the next training session and act surprised that you're sore. Stretch, cross train with some light activity in a different sport. I I know there's some controversy about whether foam rolling does anything, but I enjoy it, so I still say foam roll. If you recover better, you will train better next time. Every pro competitor also has a strength and conditioning program they follow. Like I said a few minutes ago, you should look for every competitive advantage you can get, and you can't always control whether or not you're better than your opponent, but you can control how in shape you are. Even if you don't compete, following a lifting and conditioning program will help your jujitsu and it will help you get better faster. You don't have to lift and run every single day, but if you can add in some running and add in a day or two of lifting each week, you'll be able to train harder and roll longer. If you're a hobbyist, you probably still want to get better at jujitsu. If you can roll for an hour every class and not get tired, you're going to learn more and improve more than the guy who's winded after 20 minutes. Do yourself a favor and get stronger and get better cardio. So there you have it, all the things pro competitors do that you definitely shouldn't and a few you should. I hope this episode was helpful and that you enjoyed it. If you did, I am going to ask for a small favor. Rate the show five stars and leave a review on whatever app you use to listen. I know Spotify doesn't let you leave reviews, which is weird, but at least make sure you are subscribed if you're listening on Spotify. It really helps me out and I do appreciate it. There is a lot of content coming your way shortly, so please stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening and I will see you next time.